You're about to listen to the IC News Podcast. We hope you enjoy it. Please don't forget, our show can only succeed with your support. Tell your friends. Share the link around on social media. Leave us a rating and a review on whichever platform you're listening on. And while we have your attention, take a second to hit that subscribe button. That way, you'll get a brand new episode each and every Saturday. You're listening to IC News, the only network bringing you the stories from across the multiverse. The Prime Minister announces a return to significant normality by November, even as new modelling suggests Britain could be facing hundreds of thousands of COVID-19 deaths in a winter spike. You can't blame Boris Johnson, though. For a man who models himself on Winston Churchill, thousands of British deaths would be significant normality for 1942 or so. Every idiot you know is rocked by the suggestion that their star sign may have changed, meaning that they now have to define their tedious personalities with a completely different string of utterly made-up bollocks. Kanye West appears to drop out of the presidential race just days after announcing he was entering it, proving that he clearly understands when to bail on a self-enriching publicity stunt far better than the current president. And finally, Michael Gove causes controversy when he is spotted without a mask in Pret-a-Manger. The government were quick to excuse his actions on the grounds that he does in fact breathe through his skin like other spineless mollusks. Hello and welcome to IC News, the only network with one finger on the pulse and the other on your prostate. We're here to grind the wheat of news and process it into the flowery truth before baking you a lovely hot loaf of facts. We're the only cable news service with access to a dimensional gate, meaning we can bring you the stories from across the multiverse that shed light on the biggest events here on Earth Prime. Speaking of the pube-clogged jacuzzi filter that is our home reality, this week saw Boris Johnson reluctantly admit the inevitable at Prime Minister's questions, as he took a few brief seconds off from folding his arms and scowling at Keir Starmer like a bulldog shitting a fidget spinner to commit to an inquiry into the government's response to the coronavirus pandemic. Just like every aspect of that response, it's coming at some nebulous point in the future when it's absolutely certain to be far too late and will have fuck-all effect on saving lives. Then, on Friday, it turned out that the government is in fact more than capable of committing to an urgent accounting of its own responsibilities when it was revealed that Public Health England may have been recording excess coronavirus deaths from patients that had recovered and died of other causes. Matt Hancock was quick to demand an immediate investigation into just how deep a massage he could give the figures of his own atrocious record. It was yet another embarrassing farce for a government in complete disarray, skipping hand in hand with a confusing back and forth running up to the announcement that masks will soon be mandatory in England's shops. Now, there's been a fair bit of scepticism on social media about just how effective wearing a mask can be in preventing the spread of coronavirus, so it makes sense to discuss this story with our resident conspiracy theorist, Danny Sutcliffe. Hiya, pal. That's right. Distrust the government is a phrase that runs through me like the words through a stick of rock. You can chip off me bark and tap me insides for the thick, sticky treacle of scepticism. 
I don't like neoliberalism. I don't trust the globalists. I question the government's approach to every element of this pandemic daily, but even I'm not cynical enough to feel all that asked about wrapping a thin sheet of fabric over me face to go to fucking Aldi. You don't question this decision at all, then? Oh, I've got loads of questions, mate. Like, why now? Why is it taking so fucking long? Why were we subjected to that embarrassing swat fest of a spectacle with Gove and Johnson going back and forth on wearing them when clearly the new policy must have been in the pipeline? It's a giant farce and it's baffling that they're doing this now, but the actual suggestion of it, I'm not really that bothered. It takes two seconds to put one on and two seconds to take one off. Who's asked? Well, it turns out a lot of people are. Have you not been keeping up? Not really, no. What with QAnon, Maxwell getting arrested, the Boogaloo movement and everything else, I'm a bit fucking busy. The pandemic's taken a bit of a back burner, to be honest. Well, basically, there's been a lot of counter-argument about the actual benefits of wearing a mask. Oh, yeah. And that's coming from the medical experts, is it? Nah, not particularly. It's uh, mainly coming from people we went to school with who are now deeply involved with multi-level marketing scams. Generally, the uh, the same ones who have lots of opinions about the recent protests. <laughs> right. The all herb lives matter lot. Don't presume to lump me in with those bellends, mate. Janine's on Google Earth wanking off a scaffold around by the bins on Oldham Street. She thought he was Kevin De Bruyne. Funnily enough, I don't think she's an expert on toxin build-up and CO2 levels. Well, to be fair to her, people aren't just questioning the medical evidence. A big chunk of the narrative is that this is all part of the government's latest effort to control us. You know, it's a sort of test. A test? You clearly haven't seen Janine's GCSE results. You know what I mean. The suggestion that this is phase one of some kind of giant effort to engineer compliance. Engineering compliance? Oh, for fuck's sake. What? It starts with a face mask and ends with us all pledging our undying loyalty to Satan? Give me a break. Well, you're being remarkably dismissive of all this. It's not what I was expecting, I've got to be honest. Well, it's daft, isn't it? All these idiots bemoaning the loss of their personal freedoms are the same numpties who think anyone left of Hitler is a crybaby snowflake. Now they're triggered at the very suggestion of wearing a fucking mask for ten minutes. Is it mildly annoying? Yes. Does it feel a bit weird and dystopian? Definitely. Will it make a huge amount of difference to community spread and the infection rate? Possibly not. But you know what? Even if it doesn't, literally the very worst imaginable outcome is that you wore a mask when you didn't need to. That's it, you soft knob. It could literally save lives. And if it later turns out it doesn't, you looked a bit silly for no reason. These selfish dicks are just manufacturing excuses to put their own pride above the welfare of the vulnerable. How on earth are they seeing a conspiracy in this shit? Well, it's got a surprising number of people angry. Tories are all over social media cutting up their membership cards. Yep, and that tells you everything you need to know about these people, doesn't it? A face mask is what tips them over the edge. Not a decade of austerity with all its associated pain and misery. Not 45,000 virus deaths and one of the most badly managed pandemic responses on the planet. Not the cavalier rush towards a no-deal Brexit when the economy is already on the brink of collapse. The suggestion that their vanity should take a tiny ding for the sake of other people, that's the final straw for them. 
It's pathetic. I take it you'll be wearing yours, then? I already am, mate. Mine's a picture of Kevin De Bruyne. I'm seeing Janine later. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> you walk right into that one, pal. I'm Danny Sutcliffe, telling everyone to stop being such a bunch of soft swats and wear a fucking mask for a bit, reporting for IC News. <sighs> it's not just the mask issue that's been embarrassing number 10 this week. Boris Johnson also saw his choice for a key appointment scuppered, and it's fair to say his choice was a fairly questionable one in the first place. Here's Tom King, reporting from a room where all the sharp objects have been safely locked away. Thanks, Sam. It's been an interesting week in the ongoing saga of the upcoming Russia report, and it all started with perhaps the single greatest moment in Chris Grayling's entire career. He was expected to be announced as the chair of the Intelligence and Security Committee this week following pressure on its Conservative members from Number 10. Instead, he became just about the only politician in history to somehow lose a vote that was rigged in his favour. It was Pete Grayling, the crowning cherry on his big shitcake of embarrassing failures. Instead of going along with Boris Johnson's suggestion, Julian Lewis nominated himself and won the position with the support of the committee's opposition members. He then promptly found the Tory whip pulled out from under him by a furious Downing Street who, for some reason, felt the need to highlight just how blatantly ridiculous it was that they were ever backing Grayling in the first place. All of this was against the backdrop of anticipation about the release of the long-delayed report into Russian interference in both the 2017 general election and the Brexit referendum. And lo and behold, not long after the far more qualified person got the job, it was announced that the public will finally find out what's in it sometime next week. Now, I'm not one to advocate baseless conspiracy theory, but it's really not too much of a stretch to picture Chris Grayling dropping the whole thing into a shredder had it been his responsibility. Not out of malice, mind, but out of a Mr Bean-like incompetence that borders on the utterly farcical. You don't try to appoint a bull as the manager of a china shop unless you've got a serious insurance scam to pull. Given what we know about Putin's hard-on for destabilising the political processes of his rivals, the report is potentially going to be a very interesting read. It was no surprise at all, then, that the Tories quickly moved to misdirect their own turd into the turbulent waters. On Thursday, Dominic Raab announced that Russia were almost definitely behind the leak that saw Jeremy Corbyn waving documents of suspicious origin around during the 2019 election. Couple that with the story about Russian spies targeting vaccine research, and it sets the stage nicely for a convenient Tory narrative. They're clearly desperately hoping that the public's mood can be shifted away from the outrage at Russia's possible complicity in the Brexit result over to one of anger at Putin's general malfeasance. If they can point the finger at Labour for benefiting from Russian interference in 2019 on top of that, then that's even better. The idea that Comrade Corbyn was a commie co-conspirator is an easy sell to Tory loyalists who would never have crossed the street to piss on him if he was on fire in the first place, regardless of how baseless a smear it is. And quite how he benefited from Russian interference by being annihilated at the polls, I'm not entirely sure. But when it comes to this story, it's not like reality has mattered one rouble so far. There's only one thing for certain, which is that when it comes to just how many fingers Russia has in Britain's political poontang pie, there's bound to be much more scandal yet to come. No, it's not ideal that the leader of the opposition got hold of documents leaked by Russia, but if he found them on fucking Reddit, it's not exactly the same as meeting Red Squirrel on a park bench with a briefcase full of money. 
The real question is whether or not the Brexit referendum was infiltrated by a hostile power seeking to destabilise our political alliances. And that's before we even start looking at the vast sums of money flooding into Britain's political coffers from questionable Russian sources. It's all a giant mess and the political fallout has the potential to be enormous. Until we see the actual report, however, all we can do is be grateful for one thing. That Chris Grayling here isn't going to be in charge of our response to any of its revelations. Grayling, go here. No, um, here. Fucking hell, Chris, no. The round one goes in the round hole. See? Circle, square, triangle. Jesus Christ, how are you not getting this? Grayling. Grayling. <sighs> I'm Tom King. Struggling to teach a former Grayling. cabinet minister even rudimentary physical skills. Reporting for IC News. No, Chris, get it out of your fucking mouth. What? Grayling. Grayling. Grayling? From one foreign power's tendency to meddle in British politics to another, this week also saw the utterly unsurprising announcement that the government would be asking how high to one of President Trump's requests for a jump into his lap. We now go to Alison June-Smith, who has travelled to a parallel world with something to teach us about the Huawei story. China. It's a small word for a big old place, and if you've been paying any attention to the news lately, it's one you will have heard a lot. The Chinese economy has been surging for years now, and the West has been watching it, the way a baby with diarrhea watches the TV, by making weird noises and shitting itself constantly. Earlier this week, the UK government announced plans to cut Chinese tech out of Britain's 5G network, citing security concerns about the involvement of Huawei. Opposing China's growing global influence has been a recent cornerstone of President Trump's bid to get himself re-elected. And it looks like this move by the British government is as much a response to American pressure as it is a result of any genuine national security concern. Oh, that's not to say for definite that Huawei aren't hacking directly into our networks and smart fridges. There's every chance that Xi Jinping wants to know exactly how much hummus your nan's eating. He's kinky like that. It's just that the British government definitely didn't give a shit that they might be a security risk until Trump started picking a fight with China. Don't forget... The Tories desperately need that American trade deal. To that end, there's no better way to keep the president happy than by letting him take the credit for an international pissing contest that picks a fight with his latest boogeyman. Stripping Huawei out of Britain's 5G network is going to be complicated and expensive, but it may yet prove to be a sensible precaution. If you scratchuate the surface of TikTok, it's essentially a giant data mining service, and China are world leaders in the sort of invasive tech that would make George Orwell blush. There is a decent case to be made for challenging China's authority in the face of its appalling human rights record, particularly now that it's pushing even harder to undermine democracy in Hong Kong and Taiwan and committing literal genocide against Uyghur Muslims. In a world where whole cold wars can now be fought online, the security of our data and communication systems are paramount moving forward. 
That's why I've come here, to a world where a hostile superpower used the influence of one of its largest private businesses to gain a backdoor into Britain's IT network before launching an invasion. This is Earth Oscar Foxtrot 3210. And here, the British government were ahead of ours on Earth Prime and never involved Huawei in its 5G plans in the first place. Instead, the contracts went to one of its largest competitors. And with that fatal mistake, Britain was crushed under the thumb of one of the most secretly ruthless and brutal nations on Earth. Get moving, prisoners, before I poke you in the back with a sharp stick and mark your latest entry into the Eurovision Song Contest. This is a terrifying vision of Britain. With facial recognition cameras on every corner and a social credit system in place, working hand-in-hand to identify and crush any and all dissent. And it was all possible thanks to Nokia's monopoly on the UK's IT communication system. Before the military could even respond, Nokia's Finland sunk every Trident submarine and wiped most of Britain's defenses off the map. It was a horrifying display of Nordic efficiency, and within days, Britain was an occupied territory. Ha! Nobody ever expects the Finnish invasion. It's rye bread and pickled beetroot for all of you now. This place serves as a lesson to all of us back home on Earth Prime. We need to be mindful of just how much state involvement there is with our most influential tech giants. If we don't, we could all be living under Finnish rule. And for your average Brit, that's a truly terrifying prospect. <laughs> what are you going to do now, silly Englishman? We're going to give you seven months paternity leave and a proper social safety net. No, don't run. Shoot him, Lucas. I'm Alison June Smith, being marched to her new job on a reindeer farm, reporting for IC News. Ugh, why are they always so against the paternity leave? I will never understand the English. Alison June-Smith there, with a terrifying vision of a future where British men may have to raise their own babies. Thankfully, it's one that I'm sure the Prime Minister is absolutely committed to avoiding at all costs. That report brings us to the end of our broadcast. We leave you now with the headlines you may have missed. The government announces that socially distanced indoor performances will soon be able to return, and if you're wondering just how awkward it can be watching an act struggle to entertain a large room with a sparsely populated audience in it, feel free to come to my next Edinburgh show. Princess Beatrice is married in an unannounced ceremony in Windsor so private that the FBI can't even snatch her dad as he walks her down the aisle. Liberal Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg reveals she is again battling cancer, as President Trump personally sends her a Get Well Soon card he asked several people to cough on. And finally, Nick Cannon loses one presenting job on American television, but keeps another after apologising for spreading an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory, meaning that the masked singer now has a more nuanced approach to criticism of Israel than the Labour Party. You've been listening to IC News. Thank you, and goodbye. You've just been listening to the IC News Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please don't forget to help us spread the word. Only with your support, 
Can we reach more people and build a larger audience? Every episode of IC News is written and produced by Sam Gore. Every week we feature guest voices from the UK stand-up circuit. Check out the podcast description to find out who you've been listening to. They're all very funny people, and you should check out their stuff. The IC News main theme is written and performed by Eddie French and the graphic design for the show is by Chunchy.com. Any additional music in the show will always be properly credited in the podcast description, so if you hear something you like, please check that out and support the independent artists who offer their work to shows like ours.